Hasbro says, Mr. Potato Head is no longer a mister. Yesterday it was Coca-Cola, what's next? Barbie becomes bar person? Welcome to the show. You know, I'm kind of mad today. When I prepare for the show, I've got my topic set. And then something stupidly crazy nonsense like this just pops up. I like Ben Shapiro's take on this. Do squash lives matter? Our topics tonight include the story of an American high school in a social experiment spanning five days. It transformed a group of students into a new age fascist movement. What does that say about today's political environment or the social environment? And next, we jump to a look at seven executive actions from Trump that are being reversed by Joe Biden. That's after news of new immigration policies from Biden attempting to legalize 11 million aliens. Last, we talk about congressional members introducing two defense bills against the CCP's influence here in the United States. Do you believe in just five days you can create Hitler Youth, the Communist Red Guards, or the Benito Mussolini Youth right here in the United States classroom? I want to tell you the story of an experiment by Ron Jones in a high school classroom called the Third Wave. It's an experimental social movement created in 1967 as an experiment to explain how the German population could accept the actions of the Nazi regime during the Second World War. While he taught the students about Nazi Germany during his contemporary world history class, Jones found it difficult to explain how the German people could accept the actions of the Nazis and decided to create a social movement as a demonstration of the appeal of fascism. Over the course of five days, he conducted a series of exercises in his classroom, emphasizing discipline and community, intended to model certain characteristics of the Nazi movement. As the movement grew outside his class and began to number in the hundreds, Jones began to feel that the movement had spiraled out of control. He convinced the students to attend a rally where he claimed that the classroom project was part of a national movement and that the announcement of a third-wave presidential candidate was to be televised. Upon their arrival, the students were presented with a blank channel. Jones then told his students of the true nature of the movement as an experiment in fascism and presented them a short film discussing the actions of Nazi Germany. This experiment went something like this. On the first day, Ron Jones started the first day of the experiment with simple things like proper seating, and extensively drilling the senior year students. He then proceeded to enforce strict classroom discipline by emerging as an authoritarian figure and dramatically improving the efficiency of the class. Students had to obey simple sitting rules, had to stand up to ask or answer questions, and had to do it in three words or less, and were required to preface each remark with Mr. Jones. On the second day, he managed to melt his history class into a group with a supreme sense of discipline and community. Jones based the name of his movement, The Third Wave, on the supposed fact that the third in a series of waves is the strongest. Jones created a salute involving a cupped hand reaching across the chest, towards the opposite shoulder resembling a Hitler salute, and ordered class members to salute each other even outside the class, and they all complied with the command. Then on the third day, the experiment took on a life of its own, with students from all over the school joining in. Some students who did not take the history class but had a free period decided to join in on the class. And on the third day, the class expanded from the initial 30 students 
to 43. All of the students showed drastic improvements in their academic skills and tremendous motivation. All of the students were issued a membership card, and each of them received a special assignment, like designing a third-wave banner, stopping non-members from entering the class. Jones instructed the students on how to initiate new members, and by the end of the day, the movement had over 200 participants. Jones instructed three students to report to him when other members of the movement failed to abide by the rules, but was surprised that around 20 of his students made such reports. On the fourth day of the experiment, Jones decided to terminate the movement because it was slipping out of his control. The students became increasingly involved in the project and their discipline and loyalty to the project was outstanding. He announced to the participants that this movement was a part of a, a national-wide movement, and on that, the next day, a presidential candidate of the third wave would publicly announce its existence. Jones ordered students to attend a noon rally on Friday to witness the announcement. And on the fifth day and the last day, instead of a televised address of their leader, the students were presented with an empty channel. After a few minutes of waiting, Jones announced that they had been a part of an experiment in fascism and that they were all willingly created a sense of superiority like the German citizens had in the period of Nazi Germany. He then played them a film about the Nazi regime to conclude the experiment. Now this experiment highlights two important concepts. One is that within the matter of days, students are able to unwillingly that's the key part, to blindly follow a cause without ever realizing that they're marching down towards fascism. This is precisely done so, at first it's gentle, to lower the guards of the students, and then slowly as it picks up the speed at which indoctrination is injected into their brain. And by the last day, their head is so full of mental stimulating ideological fulfillment that they stop caring about common sense and social modality. The second is that the real description of how dictatorships and totalitarian regimes can rise within different contexts, whether it's fascism, communism, or socialism, or the variety of extensions of, of the, these concepts, by simply changing the name from maybe the Workers' Party to the Third Wave, or maybe the National Youth League to the, to the Third Party movement, the names change, but the core of it still remains the same people are slowly going to be integrated into the extremism. Now, this experiment happened in the United States in the 60s, and actually a few months before the anti-war and the summer of love picked up. And maybe this signaled that at that time, it marked the beginning of the decline in mental defense, that people became more and more willing to collectively accept brainwashing. And in just five days, at a small sample size of within a high school of maybe thousands of students, at least around 200 students, or more than that, were a part of the third wave party. What I also made attractive was the fact that there was an exclusive membership with precious exclusive uh, entitlements, I assume there was, and it meant that those who were part of it felt like they were part of something much bigger and something honorable, something glorious. And this is another part of the psychological manipulation. I'll touch on this a little bit later, but think about the sheer number of students, 200 plus students in a school of thousands. And now we can extrapolate that and take it, extend it into a real country. It works out to be around maybe 10% of the population 
could have been easily brainwashed in just five days. Think about that. Now then the psychological manipulation aspect. Back in the 60s, the radical left or the current progressive agenda hasn't yet evolved to what we know now. So even back then, taking what is happening today, the collective hate for Trump, for Trump supporters, linking Trump to Hitler, to fascism, to dictatorship, this is all part of a long-term brainwashing scheme. And from the third wave experiment, we can clearly see that everyday people, you and I, everybody else, just like students, without realizing it, have become a part of a bigger problem. Now, before I tell you about our second topic, which is the crazy reversal of Trump's executive orders that, by the way, most of it benefited the American people, like lower taxes, more jobs, better immigration security, and civil security from the real domestic terrorist groups, Antifa. Well, here is Biden's proposed COVID relief bill. Now, this time, the Democrats are facing the opposition from Republicans against their $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan. Senator John Kennedy made these remarks on Fox News. On Thursday, he says, the profligacy is mind-numbing. The model of the Biden administration seems to be, we can't spend too much. Kennedy took aim at some controversial provisions in the American Rescue Plan Act, which includes such spending priorities as $750 million for global COVID response. Not American, globally. $270 million for arts and humanity endowments, whatever that means. $200 million for museums and libraries. Okay, this one I kind of get. And $100 million for an electric train in Silicon Valley. Now, as if they still need more stuff. But this is, Kennedy calls it, chalk full of spending porn. Kennedy also called it a left of Lenin neo-socialist wish list. Again, like the last bill they introduced, way too much money for arts and crafts, not enough for economic development. Now by late Wednesday, not a single Republican in either chamber had publicly said he or she would back the Biden administration's proposed relief bill. At least maybe no lizard experiment uh, walking on a treadmill this time, or a gender development program for Pakistan. Now let's talk about the real destruction. Joe Biden revoked seven executive orders on February 24th, issued by Trump between 2017 and 2021. The White House offered no explanation for this in their formal press release. Biden's actions revoked one of the first executive order action Trump signed upon taking office in 2017, an executive order titled Core Principles for Regulating the United States Financial System. The order set out the Trump administration's policy on financial regulation with the first listed goal to empower Americans to make independent financial decisions and inform choices in the marketplace, save for retirement, and build individual wealth. The policy also sought to prevent taxpayer-funded bailouts and to enable American companies to be competitive with foreign firms in domestic and foreign markets, among a few other priorities. And this is an indication that Biden is attempting to shift, in domestically at least, the way economic structures will play out in the next four years. It could also mean government control, more of that and less self-autonomy. Biden also sacked an April 2018 executive order titled Reducing Poverty in America by Promoting Opportunity and Economic Mobility, 
Trump's order directed the federal government to reform the welfare system around a set of core principles, including improving economic independence, targeting benefits for people with low incomes, and reducing wasteful spending by consolidating or eliminating federal programs that are duplicative or ineffective. The list of revocations also include a COVID-19 executive order Trump issued that directed federal agencies to address the economic repercussions of the pandemic by rescinding, modifying, waiving, or providing exemptions for regulations, which could imperil economic recoveries. Another canceled Trump memorandum had directed the federal government to review funding for localities like Seattle, which took a lax stance on anarchy and riots during the summer of and fall of 2020. And this is not an indication that most likely domestic terrorism is coming, and it's not the one group you're thinking that would actually be branded. Not Antifa and probably not Black Lives Matter. White supremacy groups, or so-called, will probably face the charges. An order titled Promoting Beautiful Federal Civic Architecture, which directed a sweeping stylistic overhaul of federal architecture with a focus on a return to classical and traditional forms. This was also undone. Biden is also wiping out one of the last executive orders issued by Trump, which had forbidden unelected bureaucrats from initiating or signing off on federal rules. And this isn't even the worst part they've done. This administration is holding child migrants at the southern border for up to five days. And that's in violation of an agreement that stipulates children should only be held at customs and border protection facilities for a maximum of 72 hours in most cases. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says, there were some delays last week because of weather and because some of these facilities to safety move these kids did not have power and were not in a place where they could. They had the capacity to take in these kids and do it safely. That is not our objective. That is not our goal. Under the 1977 Flores Settlement Agreement, border agents are supposed to transfer a minor from border facilities to more permanent housing run by the Department of Health and Human Services. And this is to be done within three days in most cases. Now, the 72-hour limit, which has been strengthened in 2008 with the passage of the Traffic Victims Protection Reauthorization Act. And this comes as the Biden administration has reopened a facility for holding minor migrants that was built during the Trump administration. Despite Biden decrying the use of such facilities several years ago, the facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas, was responded to at capacity where these children can be provided the care they need while they're safely, before they're safely placed with families and sponsors. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said this week, This is not okay. Never has been okay. Never will be okay, no matter the administration or party. Representative Rashida Taleb added, The human rights of migrants and migrant children is not a partisan issue. The fact is this is shameful. At POTUS must reverse course. On Wednesday, Biden issued a proclamation into revoking a immigration restriction issued by Trump. In April 2020, Trump issued Proclamation 10014 to suspend entry into the United States for 60 days to foreigners who did not have a valid immigrant visa or official travel document. The order also suspended new green cards that allowed for permanent residency to most foreigners looking to settle in the country. Biden, in his Wednesday proclamation, said the Trump's entry suspension does not advance the interest of the United States. 
To the contrary, it harms the United States, including by preventing certain family members of United States citizens and lawful permit residents from joining their families here. Stephen Miller, former senior advisor to President Trump, told Fox News on Sunday that a new immigration bill proposed by Democrats would fundamentally erase the very essence of America's nationhood. On February 18th, Democrats formally introduced President Joe Biden's new immigration bill that provides an eight-year pathway to citizenship for about 11 million illegal immigrants and sweeping changes to Trump's immigration and border policy. The bill named the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021 was co-sponsored by Representative Linda Sanchez and Senator Bob Menendez. Biden said in a statement, I've laid out my vision for what it'll take to reform our immigration system, and I look forward to working with leaders in Congress to get this done. By the way, this is what students in the band class have been putting up with. Maybe immigration is the second worry for Biden, and they should probably focus on getting this COVID policy sorted out. Probably a better idea. In our third topic today, Senator Tom Cotton and Republican Study Committee Chairman Representative Jim Banks on Wednesday introduced a legislation that would counter propaganda from the CCP. The bill named the Countering Chinese Propaganda Act would create a new sanctions authority against state-backed disinformation networks. It is aimed at the CCP's propaganda system, or called United Front Work Department, short for UFWD which is an overseas influence arm of the Chinese regime that serves to further the CCP's interests abroad. As we have previously covered, it is a part of a larger effort from the RSC, the largest conservative caucus on Capitol Hill, to confront the threat posed by the CCP, and to hold President Joe Biden's administration accountable for weak China policies. In a statement, Cotton said that the UFWD is used by the Chinese regime to spread propaganda and that the bill would put an end to their tactics. The propaganda includes the twisting of the origin of COVID, the persecution of religious groups and ethnic groups, and the undercover spy and espionage operations by the Chinese military. Banks accused the UFWD of directly participating in the Uyghur genocide and the oppression of Christians in China. Jim Banks says, but its ultimate goal is to spread those persecutory tactics around the globe. As well, a group of bipartisan senators have introduced a bill to address the CCP's censorship of Americans and American companies. This proposed legislation requires the president to establish an interagency task force called the China Censorship Monitor and Action Group to address the censorship. The bill would also require a report by a research entity to document major trends, patterns, and efforts by the Chinese regime to limit free speech of Americans that conduct business in China who may be critical of the CCP. The effort led by Senator Jeff Merkley is backed by Senator John Corrin, Elizabeth Warren, and Marco Rubio. A similar bill was introduced in 2019, sponsored by Senator Cory Gardner, but did not proceed in the Senate. Now, at that time, the Chinese media and online platforms stopped broadcasting for the year the NBA games after Daryl Morey, general manager of the Houston Rockets, posted on Twitter a message in support of Hong Kong democracy protests. The CCP reportedly called for Morey to be fired, and the NBA also lost all of its Chinese sponsorships. The proposed legislation would require, within 90 days of its enactment, that the Secretary of State commissions a research entity to report on efforts by the CCP's regime to intimidate and censor Americans and American companies. And that is it for today. Thanks so much for watching tonight's episode. 
Thank you again for your continued support of Beyond the Noise. Have a wonderful evening and see you tomorrow.